Do you love early intervention, but feel like you need more mentorship and information to thrive in this setting? We're here to provide a safe, inclusive community where we learn from and uplift one another. It's our mission to prepare students and practitioners to be confident and competent working in early intervention. Hi, I'm Amira Johnson. I'm Danielle DiLorenzo. And I'm Sarah Putt. And together, we're the real OTs of early intervention. We made it to the last week of our ABCs of OT Challenge EI edition. Woohoo! I'm so excited for this being my first time participating in the ABCs of OT. I'm really excited that we decided to do this challenge to increase awareness, not only for the profession of occupational therapy, but within early intervention. So a huge thank you to Shannon Marie OT for creating this challenge. And we are so excited to be a part of it. We are going to kick it off with the last episode for OT month for the ABCs of OT challenge with letters S through Z. But first a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Alvin from OT Outside the Box. The mission of OT Outside the Box is to inspire practitioners, students, and families to see therapeutic value with any item or within any location from clinics, schools, homes, and out in nature. Alvin aims to inspire practitioners to step outside of their comfort zone and think outside the box to combine creativity and science with meaningful occupation-based treatment activities. You can follow him on Instagram and Facebook at OT Outside the Box or on his website, otoutsidethebox.com. S is for sensory. Everyone has a unique sensory preference. However, when your sensory preferences impact your ability to engage in meaningful occupations, an occupational therapist can help support you in ways to enrich your sensory system, providing you with what you need to fill your cup on any given day. Why working on the sensory system and sensory processing under the age of three is so important is because our littles have a lot of big emotions. And when there are sensory preferences that are being demonstrated that could be impacting the child's ability to engage in family routines, we want to figure out what we can do to support a child's sensory system, as well as supporting the co-regulation of the entire family. Because also bringing it back to the parents, we know when we have regulated parents, we have more regulated kiddos. So really, it's not just about the sensory system of the child, but it's also about your own unique sensory preferences as the adult and how to all live in harmony with everyone's own sensory preferences and being able to engage in meaningful routines without it feeling so discomforting because we want children to be able to explore a variety of experiences in life and figure out what they need to be able to fill their cup so that they can engage and be as independent as possible and continue to grow from a developmental perspective, as well as be able to engage in their everyday routines as independently and regulated as possible. T is for tummy time. We just got done with a series of tummy time posts a couple weeks ago, really diving into the importance of why everyone is all about tummy time. There are so many important factors that tummy time represents, such as learning stability, 
muscle control, head control, figuring out which side of the body's move, reciprocal movement, weight bearing, all of these skills can be worked on during tummy time. And we know some kiddos might not like tummy time. Make sure to check out episode 14, where we dive deep into tummy time and why it's so important. And it's okay if your kiddo doesn't like tummy time. We give you some awesome strategies on how to support each child where they're at along their journey of practicing tummy time. U is for underrepresentation. This is something that is very sad for I know all of us to have to talk about and something that we wish we didn't have to talk about. But I want to just paint a picture of kind of why this is so important. So we know that early intervention is critical for infants born premature. But according to the March of Dimes report for the past several years, the preterm birth rates have been the highest amongst black infants. But unfortunately, black and brown children are underrepresented in early intervention services. And this has been highlighted in the literature and the research is out there that shows it. So I just want to take a moment to read through a particular article that was published in 2019 by the Citizens Committee for Children of New York. And it was a report that they did all about this underrepresentation in EI, specifically in New York. And so a couple of the points here were that the neighborhoods where children referred for EI evaluations are least likely to receive evaluations are consistently low-income communities of color. The neighborhoods where children found eligible for EI services are least likely to receive those services are primarily low-income communities of color. And even in neighborhoods where higher rates of eligible children receive service, there are significant racial disparities with Black children being less likely to receive services. So this is just one report. There are several out there. And, you know, I just want to highlight that even though this is one report that I'm talking about now, they do still hold merit. And this is something that I see even in my work in Arizona. There's just a huge gap in services. And the research shows all of those different reasons. But it's so important to talk about this. And, you know, I think society is at a place where we're moving towards wanting to see change and wanting to create change and it's in full force. And I think that's great, but I think we have to remember that there's so much racism that happens that is systemic. And we have to think about that when we think about early intervention and why that underrepresentation exists. So I want us to get back to the roots and really shine light on the inequalities and the disparities and underrepresentation that have existed for far too long. So early on, I actually did a series called Inequalities in Early Intervention, where I broke down what the literature is saying as to why the underrepresentation exists. And I also talked a little bit about some action steps and things that we can do as providers to make us just more conscious with working with these families. So for more information and to check out that literature, that's the really important piece here is to really, I want you guys to go and do some of that research. There's a guide over at marvelousmiracles.ot where I highlight all of that literature and all of that research, and you can check out the exact articles I have. V is for value, as in the value of early intervention. Now, there is way too much that I could potentially even say about this right now. So rather than go into any detail about that, I'm just going to point you to two of our podcast episodes. Go back if you have not listened to episode one, where we talk about why we love early intervention and what value it brings, as well as we have an episode that's going to be coming out in just a few short weeks. It's going to be episode 22. And that's where we go into depth about the value of early intervention and specifically communicating the value of early intervention to parents. W is for W sitting. And if you work 
anywhere in the early childhood development sector, you have probably heard about this from your therapy friends. So W-sitting is when a child is sitting on their bottom and their knees are bent with their feet positioned slightly outside of their hips. So it's called the W-sit because if you stand from above them, it literally looks like they're sitting in the shape of a W. Now, W-sitting in itself is not bad, but we want to see the kids moving in and out of that sitting position. So it's something that it can also indicate that their trunk or their core is not super strong. It can also indicate very limited trunk or core strength. So as an OT, we should be very in tune to if we're seeing this and they're not moving in and out of that position, then maybe we're going to introduce some core strengthening activities. Remembering that in early intervention, we want to center it around their daily routine. So doing some of those strengthening activities during times that are very natural for the family during playtime and also making sure to encouraging the family to get that child out of the W sit and into other sitting positions. So crossing their legs or sitting with their legs out in front of them or their legs to the side. So there's so many different alternatives that you can give your families if you notice the W sitting. And I love actually Pathways is one of my absolute favorite resources to advise. And they have so much information about W sitting, what it looks like, and also gives some great pictures of some of those alternative seating positions that you can share with families. X is for exit. And specifically when we're talking about exit, we're talking about discharge. And this could be due to a number of different reasons. This could be due to scoring within the normal range on their most current assessment. This could be due to transitioning to other services, like if they're going to be receiving occupational therapy or other EI services through insurance. It could be transitioning to the school district at age three. And it could also be to transitioning to other early intervention programs if the family happens to move from one region to another. And one of the other possibilities that can happen, and I always hate when this does happen, but parents can choose to exit early intervention services. And just know that every family has their right to choose to exit the early intervention program if they so want to. And just know that it's important for us to understand our role as an occupational therapy practitioner to help our kiddos and their families transition and exit from the early intervention program when the time is right. Why is for you therapeutic use of self. We often forget that we ourselves are an intervention strategy. We go to school, we have our experience as practitioners, and then we go into the home and we literally are a therapeutic agent to this family. It is what occupational therapy is all about, right? We're encouraging our families and our kiddos to be as independent as possible. We are using ourselves as the educational agent in demonstrating showing examples, providing strategies, working with families in the moment, allowing them to see how these interventions play out in real life, being there as a soundboard for families to bounce off ideas, to problem solve, to upgrade, to downgrade interventions, to fit the needs of the child and family, specifically embed them within the daily routines of each family's life and whatever they want. So be mindful that you yourself are a therapeutic tool. I know we always want a good intervention strategy or an activity to fall back on, but just know that you yourself hold that key to not only unlocking a child's potential, but to be able to show the family how all these strategies can be beneficial to support independence and development, not only in such a young, at such a young age, but across a lifespan. Z is for Zoom. Many of us 
have been thrown into the world of teletherapy and it was a quick transition and it was a quick adjustment for many of us. And many of us are still doing it. I know I am still 100% teletherapy virtual right now. So there is a lot to be said about this topic. And we did a podcast episode, episode 12, where we really talked about the basics of EI teletherapy and including our unique lens as an OT practitioner and how we basically just went from coaching in person to now coaching through a screen and how because of that, it hasn't been too bad of an adjustment for many of us. We also talked about defining what is teletherapy? What does that look like in the early intervention world? And also some of the pros and cons to this service delivery method, as well as the parent perspective and how we can make this process easier for parents. So definitely check out that Teletherapy 101 EI edition, episode 12. And remember, if you are still doing therapy right now virtually, we are so proud of you for hanging in there. And just know that every day you get to log into your computer and you get to be an OT. You get to make a difference. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. That's why we do what we do. And there you have it. We have officially completed the ABCs of OT Challenge by Shannon Marie, A through Z. So make sure to check out the last three episodes so you can get all the letters and all the amazing topics that we wanted to talk about. And we want to hear from you. Did you hear anything that you want us to expand on? Do you have suggestions based off of what you've heard throughout our last podcast episodes that you would like us to have a show on? Send us a DM on Instagram at the real OTs of of EI or find us on our website at www.therealots.com. We're so excited you joined us today. Check out our website, therealots.com for more information about anything discussed in the episode and sign up for our email list so you don't miss out on any of our awesome EI resources. And join our amazing community of students and practitioners to get your questions answered and learn from others working in early intervention. Whether you're in the car, on your lunch break, or signing in to your next virtual session, thanks for keeping it real with the real OTs of early intervention.